Yeah. Okay, Boker Tov. Uh, t- today's daf, um, today's daf is Yud, is Yud Aleph, 11. We pick up on the mission on the bottom of Yud Amit So yesterday I wasn't here. So I was grateful Michael covers the whole issue about um, the... I'm sorry, today's daf is Yud Aleph. Excuse me. Today's, yes. today's daf is Yud Bet, right. Yeah, we're, we're That's what I was saying. As I was <laughs> saying, today's daf is Yud Bet. Well, we took up on the Mishnah on Yud Aleph on Yud Bet. Uh, yesterday, Michael covered the whole Mishnah on Yud, on Yud Aleph. I'm so glad. Yud Aleph on Yud Bet about Shtarot uh, to come through the non-Jewish courts, which is just so fascinating. Number one, because of the monetary documents based on Dina de Malchusa. And number two, because uh, the whole issue of a get, and once again, Eidi Mesira, that if it's not signed properly, you can still rely on the Eidi Mesira, and to what degree did become substitutes for the Eidim Mesir and so on. So very uh, central issues. I should say, and I know I'm going back a little, but I just really needed to point out that there's a, that, you know, there's one line in the Gemara there yesterday which said how can non-Jew sign? It says they're a lav in a krisis nito. They're not part of a gitin. They're not, you know, they don't have gitin for them, so they can't be part of a get that's the uh, idea of kares. And Tosus adds one sentence there on Yudam bad. I'm just going to double back for a minute. What Tosus says, lav in a krisis nito, just says, havimati limit Right, which is interesting. Well, what do you mean? How about non-Jews can't sign because they're not kosher edim? Uh, actually, it's so interesting how not explicit that is, that non-Jews are not kosher edim. I just turn back one more daf on Tedemud's bed. I just want to show you. I, um, I can't resist this. The Tosus on Tedemud's bed, which says, Afal pishechosmeim akum kshirim chutz migitei nashim. Top Tosus on Tedemud's bed. Tosus says like this, right? Why is the problem with non-Jew signatures on a get? So it says, V'omeri dechosmeim akum why is that not good on a get non-Jewish signatures even if a Jew wrote it so it's written kosher first what the Gemara says they're not part of Gitin and therefore they can't make it into a kosher get come on number one they need to do it lishma. We assume a non-Jew doesn't do it lishma. Number two. Number three. They can't be a shaliach. And how do you know you need a shaliach? We're going to see that the husband has to direct the, uh, the sofa to sign and the witnesses to, to write it and the witnesses to sign it. So that shows that the whole execution of the get, creating of the get, is through shlichus. So you can't do it because they're not in the world of getin. They can't make a get. They're not a, um, they don't do it lishma, they can't be a shaliach, and then finally, reason number four is, he says, they're possible for edus, Rafael Rebbe Mayer, and then he tries to prove that they're possible edus. So it's really quite fascinating how unclear it is that they are possible edus. So we need three reasons to say that a non-Jew is not a kosher to sign a get before he finally said, oh, and maybe also they're not a good aid. So it's just really interesting, this idea that I just wanted to share, that obviously the Gemara assumes if it's written in a non-Jewish court, of course it's not done according to halacha, but the non-Jewish signatures, it's really interesting that Tosus throwing in all these different reasons you know if you, have, if you need four reasons it means like that not, none of them is really a good one you know one reason isn't good enough by itself yeah uh, non, for non-Jew the concept of a get or divorce would have been completely meaningless in the time and place of Tosafos uh, well that's true also you mean because of Christians right yeah. yeah but I don't know if he was limiting himself to that assumption but yes so let's now continue so that was the issue about Gitin and other Shtarot that come from non-Jewish courts and now we get to the Mishnah on Yudal Bet. Well, what was the conclusion about non-Jewish I mean he assumes they are puzzle. everybody does assume they're puzzle and Eidos but the funny thing is that he doesn't just start with that which means that it's not like explicit you can't just take that for granted okay so now the Mishnah on Yudal Bet. 
Omer ten gitin and leishu b'shar shichur zela avdi. This is another way in which gitin and star shichur get a writ of manumission might be the same. Somebody who says um, give a get to my wife or this uh, writ of manumission to my slave. Rameir says you can retract either of them before they're delivered. We don't say that the shaliach uh, represents the other side. You know zachin adam shalabefanav. You can't say you automatically are standing in for the wife or the slave. For the wife, it's obviously but why not? It's not presumed a good thing for the wife to be divorced, but for the slave, why not? So we're about to see. Why can't the person just automatically be seen as a representative of the slave? Um, so that's what the sages say. That's true by get, she's not divorced until she gets it, and you can retract. Not by freeing slaves. You can take, you know, do, uh, um, um, take possession of something for somebody or merit somebody not in their presence. But if you want to injure them, it has to be in their presence. So you want to divorce your wife, that's considered a, an injury to her, at least possibly an injury to her. So therefore, it has to be given directly to her or to a person that she appointed a shaliach. But not if it's not with her awareness, whereas by the shikhr of the slave, that's only a good thing. And therefore, even if he's not aware, it's shalob somebody can represent um, and stand in for his interests. Um, so, the, and then it continues. Now, how is it clear that it is a... Uh, that it is only in the slave's interest. Somebody could argue, one minute, the slave benefits because the master is providing him food and shelter. And therefore, maybe it's not in his interests to be freed. So the Chachamim respond and they say the following. A person, a master could always say, I'm not feeding my slave. So he really doesn't have any legal obligation to feed his slave, even if he does it by custom and practice and so on. We'll see about that in the Gemara. So therefore, the slave really only loses by being a slave. He does not even get you know, a sense that he's entitled to be fed by his master, because that's not true. The master is entitled to say, I'm refusing to feed my slave. But he is not, a husband is not able to refuse to feed his wife. Right? That's part of the Ksuba obligations. And therefore, the wife definitely does lose out, minimally, the, uh, you know, just the support that the husband provides, the financial support. One minute. Uh, this is Ebed Kanani. This is about a non-Jewish slave, and we say that that's sort of said about the animals, and that's more like a Vumuster thing, and this is about a legal thing. So we'll see about this, we'll, but we'll see about it in the Gemara, okay? We'll see if the Gemara, whether we translate this literally or not. Let's just finish the Mishnah. Amar Lahem, so Rimeir said back, One minute, it's not all a benefit for the slave. The slave won't be able to eat Truma. And therefore, if he's owned by a Kohen, now that only addresses the case of being owned by a Kohen, it doesn't address by other cases, but if he's owned by a Kohen, he'll lose out. Because as a slave, he can always buy Truma sheep, or, you know, or people will give him leftover Truma, and as a free person, not. So there is some concrete loss that will come to him. Um, and as long as there's some element of a concrete loss, like, here's the question. Does Rebbe Mayers really think in the aggregate it's better to be a slave? Or is Rebbe Mayers' point, I don't care if in the aggregate it's better, if something is not an unequivocal benefit, Benefit, if there's an element, if there's some element that is an injury to a person, <coughs> then even if in the aggregate it's clearly in that person's benefit, you cannot represent that person without being appointed as an, as an agent. Okay, so it could be that he's not saying that in the aggregate it's better, but he's just saying if there's something concrete that hurts him, then he, you cannot do it when, not in his presence, and therefore you can retract before the ever before the, before the gets the star. Gets the um, and the same way that he 
if he was a Kohen, his, if his wife would lose out if he's divorced, that she would also not be able to eat truma. They said back to me, yeah, but that's not really relevant because he just owns him. Okay, so he just owns him. But why is that not relevant that that's an area that the slave is injured by, by being freed? So we will see about that in the Gemara. Michael, you had a question. Yeah, no, also, yeah. I think it makes a big difference Essentially, if he goes through, especially if he's married, if he's married to a shifra, yeah, then there's a loss that he loses his wife. That's a good point too. That's a very good point. Well, no, they're thinking about the Evadim free, but yes, but it is true that he will no longer be able to have sex with her, you know, or to live with this woman as a free person. That is true. That's a very good point. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Yosef, Rav Huna, Rav Yitzchak, Bar Yosef, come and Rabbi Yirmiyah. Rav Huna and Rav Yitzchak, Bar Yosef, were sitting in front of Rav Yirmiyah. Rav Yirmiyah became an amnim. Rav Yirmiyah was dozing off. Okay, the Yosef Rav Huna became so. Of course, what? to Tamidim do when they're ready doses off? They talk in learning, right? Okay, so, so, Yossi Ravuna would come out and so Ravuna was sitting and saying, Shmami Nami we can infer from the rabbis that say that a person can represent the slave, not in the slave's presence, and take the star for him, that if somebody seizes property for a creditor, the person um, owns it. Now, um, this is, before we get to the analogy, which is a weak one, which Tosa's questions, let's understand what this case is. Okay, Michael here owes me uh, $10,000. You really should not have borrowed that money, Michael. Anyway, but now, okay, what am I going to do? Because nobody can find any property that Michael has, and he's been avoiding me. I shouldn't have lent it to you. That's really true. Okay, so anyway, and here, and David, I've been telling all my woes to David. Um, and here, on a particular day, David is walking by, and he actually sees Michael driving a Jaguar. Now, David knows how I've, how I've had my eyes on Michael's Jaguar, but I can't get, I can't ever find Michael. So David David says, I am going to do a favor for Rabbi Linzer, and I am going to just to jump in Michael's Jaguar, he left the keys in the ignition, and I will take it for him, and I will seize the property on behalf of the creditor. Okay, you've done me a wonderful favor, but of course, you know, at, at his injury, but he did owe me the money. Is Does that work or not? Can you actually grab property from the debtor for the sake of the creditor, okay, and does that work? Now has he seized that property on my behalf. It's not exactly perfect now because it has to be real estate, but okay, whatever, you get the idea. So therefore, that's the question. Now, by the way, it might be such a big question because even though Michael owes me the money and he doesn't owe David the money, and they, so it might even be, there's a debate of Rashi and Tosos, maybe David might not even be entitled to do it even if I make him a shaliach. Like maybe it's something that even only I can do personally or through the courts, but maybe I can't even, you know, do it through even a shaliach. So that, all right, maybe, but we're not going to discuss that. So the question is, does it work or not? So Rav Huna says, look, this here in, instead I was giving um, you know uh, Michael instead well, well, let's just make it me I gave my shaliach because I'm getting confused I gave my shaliach a get to divorce to divorce to, to free my slave but I didn't but, but, but the shaliach just takes it on behalf of the slave I didn't say you could take it on behalf of the slave I just said you could deliver it to the slave so that's like he's seizing my property for the benefit of the slave and it works okay now so let's point out wait 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 that's a bizarre analogy like in one case, you know, the guy really owed me the money. You were seizing it on account of a real debt that existed. Okay? Here, I don't owe the slave his freedom. So, how could you seize it from me? Like, essentially, seize my slave from me, and I don't owe him, like, his freedom. What type of analogy is that? So, Tosos really grapples with this. He says, well, maybe the analogy is, I wouldn't be freeing my slave unless it was ultimately paying back for some debt that I owed the slave. Okay? Okay, and therefore, 
there's some type of an analogy there. But of course, you can't just take the slave's thumb. It's only because I'm in the process of freeing and I've expressed my will to free the slave. So it's a very strange analogy, okay? But it says maybe the Gemara somehow does see it as I've desired to see the slave, but not yet. I want him to get the star. But since I've expressed my desire, because presumably there's some concrete reason why I'm doing it, maybe you can jump in and take it, okay? So anyway, that's the issue of the Gemara. But what seems to be bothering the Gemara, the reason it's making this analogy, is because normally when I say Zachin Adam Shalobafanov, it is completely with the will, like nobody is standing in the way, okay? Like a classic example of Zachin is, I say to David, I say, David, like I really want to give Michael this uh, nice uh, iMac here, but he's not around here. Why don't you take possession for him? And I want you to take possession for him. Nobody is, you're not going against anybody's will, okay? Or you just see this, uh, uh, you know, you see something on the ground and it's see and you pick it up on behalf of somebody else. What makes this case a little different than a classic Zachin is I don't want to defeat my slave yet. The very point is, this point, as you see in the Mishnah, I try to back out a half hour later. I did want to free him eventually, but not yet at this moment. So by you doing Zachin, you're actually jumping ahead before I'm ready to make it happen. Right? So that the Gemara sees as a type of a Tofes Lebalchov. Right? As a, that you're grabbing something and before actually the other guy's ready to let go of it. Alright? So yes, it's wonderful that you're Zachin, but it's a little bit against my desire because I'm not yet fully ready to free the slave. I do want eventually, but not at this moment. Okay? So that's the analogy. So look, you see that that works. That even though the guy's resisting, if there's some type of a reason why it has to happen or it's in the process of happening, either because Michael owes me the money and you're seizing money he owes me, or because I've expressed my desire to free my slave, just not yet at this second, that somebody else can jump in and make it happen. Okay? So that's the idea. Alright? So let's take a look. He says, Shmamina, um, the Rabbanan from the rabbis who say that it works for the guy to take the possession of the sh- uh, to, uh, to, to stand in for the slave that somebody that seizes money for the creditor he takes possession of it would that work even if other people were, were hurt other people meaning not the, uh, not, the lo- not, not the debtor meaning when David here is seizing the Ferrari the problem is that, uh, that Michael he's really seriously in hock he also owes Charlie money, okay? And by seizing the Ferrari for me, you're also hurting Charlie's interests, okay? So how much can you do it on my behalf against this person's will, even if he owes me the money? It's not only it's hurting him, it's hurting other people. Would you really go that far? Um, so he says, so he says, I'm a, um, I'm a yes, I think that that works even if other people are helped. Now, is that somewhat similar? And maybe again, it's somewhat analogous here, because maybe like the owner here is hurt, meaning, because maybe here the owner of the slave is being hurt in the process, although it's not exactly analogous, because that's the same person you're grabbing it from. But anyway, okay, yes, I think you can grab something if somebody owes the money, even if other people are being hurt. And that's what I think is essentially happening in the Mishnah. The person represents the slave, grab the slave's freedom, even though the owner is not really yet fully ready to let him go. Okay, 
So Adhachi, while they were having this conversation, Itzabu Rabbi Yirmiyah. Rabbi Yirmiyah woke up. Amalu, and he said to them, Dardachi, children. Hachiyam Rabbi Yochanan, this is what Rabbi Yochanan says. Hatev Zabachov, Makam Shechav Lechem, Lokana. No. If other people are injured, maybe if Michael only owes me money, David could do it. But if other people are injured, he cannot do it. The Indar Mishnah saying, what about our Mishnah? That it seems like you're seizing the slave's freedom for the slave, even though the owner is losing some of his rights. He's not, you know, he's not yet fully ready to let go. So the Gemara says, nope. When he says, give this to my, to my slave, it's giving it to my slave is like he's saying, take possession of it for my slave. So the same way what I say to David, David, I want to give my iMac to Michael, take possession of it for Michael, but that works because I'm explicitly asking him to take possession. When I say, give this to my slave, we do not say give means give, but I don't want it to be final until my slave gets it. Since I'm giving it to you and I know that it's possible for you to represent my slave's interests, that act of handing it over and saying give it is implicitly like giving you the right to take possession right now. So you're not doing it against my will. We interpret the case. I mean, we never know exactly what the guy's thinking. We have to make a legal principle. So we interpret the case that when you give it over and say, give it, that you basically are saying, I'm okay if you take possession of it for him at this moment. And therefore you don't go back on the Shechayu And therefore you can't go back because A, David's entitled to represent my slave, and B, he's not doing it against my okay, interest. With, with, the, with the wife, you, do, you can go back. Yes, because even if I said Zuchu, he's not entitled to represent... I might be okay with it, but my wife isn't entitled. He's not entitled to represent my wife, right? So we say the person giving it totally is prepared for it to happen right now. But the question is, is the other side, can he represent the other side without them appointing him a shaliach? And so there's a whole discussion. Do we, that it doesn't seem like we always say ten is kizchi, you know, in all cases. And he tries to distinguish based on the specifics <coughs> of the case. Okay. You don't know when the, when the shaliach is going to give it to the slave. It could be one right. minute later. Right. It could be a half hour later. Yeah, but it could be that the slave is halfway around the globe. So I could be, I thought I had time. And nevertheless, we don't say that that makes a difference. As soon as you say give it, you mean that you're ready to have, have, have it happen, okay? I mean, if you wanted to wait, you could say, ten, you know, and he would, shall not be freed until it's higili yado. You could, you could stipulate. But without that, that's how we interpret it legally, okay? Okay, so the Messiah says like this. Now that we've raised this issue of a tov sabachov, Amr of Chizda, tov sabachov, makom shekav lacherim, that issue about grass seizing for the, from the debtor, if other people are being hurt, so other interests, banu machlokos rabbi liyazer abanan, so debate of rabbi liyazer and the rabbanan. Now we talk in Mishnah, mishalikit is a peah, v'amar harezeh leploni ani, you gathering peah, you are the balabayit, and you've left your, your corner of your field, and you said, you know, but my friend here, you know, uh, you know, Shimon, he's a poor guy, and I want him to get the pay on. He's, uh, oh, he's not going to get around to getting to the field until everybody else has grabbed it. I will take possession of it for Shimon. Okay? So, Rebbe Lezer that's okay. You can represent Shimon and take his pay for him. No, Shimon doesn't own it, and the first Ani that shows up to the door, you have to give it to him. So, so that seems to be the bait. I'm tofes the Balchov. I'm grabbing it on behalf of somebody who's entitled it, sort of grabbing it from myself. And he's not exactly a Balchov. He doesn't. I don't. Per, he doesn't have a personal right to it. But nevertheless, I'm grabbing it for his sake. Okay, and other people are injuring us. So Balchov is sometimes used loosely. Like for example, if there's a Metzia on the ground, can I pick it up for somebody? Is that 
Tofes, like I picked up this Metzia for Charlie there. Okay, so that's, uh, Charlie isn't a Baucho, he doesn't have a right to that Metzia, but I'm still taking possession of something for someone at the cost to other people, because now somebody else can't find the Metzia. Okay, so that's like a question that gets raised in the beginning of Baba Metzia. So that's what we're saying here. Can you do this? And here it seems like maybe that's exactly the debate. So Amar Meymar, so said a Meymar, of Itamar of Papa, Dilmalohi, maybe that's not true. When did Rebel Ezra say that you can grab it for the because you yourself could in theory be in a position to grab it for yourself. You could declare your entire property ownerless. You could, you know, you could renounce your ownership of your property and then you'd be an Ani, you'd be entitled to it. So since you yourself could take it for yourself, so since in theory you could take it for yourself, you can get it for somebody else. And like the Metzia case, the Metzia case is the easiest case that I can take possession of a Metzia for Charlie. And they're like, oh, I'm hurting Michael who was about to grab the Metzia. Look, I could have taken it for myself. So of course I can take it for Charlie, okay? So here too, in theory, I could have taken it for myself. I could have been an Ani. So maybe that's why he allows it. But he wouldn't allow it for seizing property from a debtor where I have no way in which I'm entitled to that property, okay? Of a hello, but here maybe in the case of a real debtor, maybe it wouldn't work. That's how Rabbi Leezer could be more lenient by the Ani case. And I'll say the reverse. The Ad Khan Lokami Rabban Hasam and when did the rabbi and maybe the rabbis in general say you can seize it from a debtor. But for the case by the pay of it, maybe they that's a specific reason why it doesn't work. Ad Khan Lokamban Hasam it says, you know, leave it for the poor. But the, we're reading it, you are not allowed to gather it for the Ani. So we'll read the Pasuk exactly to exclude this. As a general rule, you had, but here there's a specific exclusion. Okay, you can't gather it yourself for the sake of the Ani. But in general, maybe you can seize it. Okay, for Rabbi Eliezer, so good. So we haven't proven it from there. Rabbi Eliezer, hi, lo tilakit my avid What does Rabbi Eliezer do with lo tilakit lani? Because he says you can seize it for the ani. So we buy away the here, ani yashalav. I don't know. Anyway, to say that if an ani has his own field, it's possible you're technically an ani, but you still have your small little own field, then you have to leave payah for other people. You can't keep it for yourself. Okay. Now, so that, anyway, that was that issue about the comparison of Tovis but what it really clarified is how can, it's very nice that you can represent the Eved who says the master is okay with the Eved being free right now and the answer to that is we say yes if he's ready to have it if he's making an agent to deliver it it means we interpret it like he's also prepared to have the slave free at this moment yes so when one says there's a chot for something like in this case for the Eved does the person who you appointed to be the shliach does he have to be on like neutral property or can it even work in, in your house like you know is, is, is your house like somehow no if it's in his no no if it's in his hands that's a set, that's a separate rishus okay now we get to the actual debate point that the shliach as a slave does not benefit in any legal way by being a slave because he's not even entitled it sounds on the mission to being fed you're entitled to say I'm not going to feed you okay so the gemara is now going to look at this. Shmas Minah says the Gemara. We can hear from this. The master can say to the slave, "Work for me, and I refuse to feed you." He has no right. It sounds from the Mishnah. No, no, excuse me. No obligation to feed his slave. That's what it sounds like from the Mishnah. The slave gains nothing from being a slave. So the Gemara says, "Is that really true?" So the Gemara, now, by the way, you know, again, I don't know what was the story actually in uh, slave-owning societies. Did you have a legal obligation to feed your slaves, or was it just like really? 
dumb not to because you'd be wait because of your you'd lose your investment in your property. No, the Nafkamin also would be like they had an infirm slave. Could you just like not feed them? Would you be able to be you know? Would, would they, I don't know. I don't know what the law is. Like Charlie, something you actually don't know, Charlie. Okay. Anyway. So. <laughs> Well, we, slavery in ancient times was not the same as slavery here in America. I see. It, 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 the, the version here was actually much more draconian. Right. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Slavery, there were properties. So yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Anyway, so it's interesting that the, in the whole discussion of the Gemara, whether you have a responsibility to feed your slaves, it's worth pointing out that it never bases it on a pasuk. It, ne- it certainly is not based on a contract. It's not like when you get married that there's some implicit contractual obligation, right? It's, but almost there's like an implicit Explicit, you know, moral point. And what's really fascinating about this Gemara is the simple sense of this Mishnah and the simple sense of the evidence that we're going to sort of uh, line up is going to be that you don't have a legal obligation to feed your slaves, but the Gemara is going to refuse to accept that. And the Gemara is going to insist that you do have a legal obligation to feed your slaves, although it never proves why logically that should be. So I think that like, that's very interesting, you know, from sort of like the moral sense of where it's coming from. So anyway, the Gemara says, are we supposed to infer from this Mishnah that you don't have a legal obligation to feed your, feed your slaves? So the Gemara says, the says, no. And you do have a legal obligation to feed your slaves. So what's the case of the Mishnah? That what you can say is, although you have a legal obligation to feed your, feed your slaves, you can actually get out of it by saying, today I'm not going to feed you, and you have to you know, feed yourself by your own labor, the, you know, by what you earn through your own labor. So meaning, I can, you know, I can... I can get out of it by giving him his labor for that day back to him and allowing him to use his own labor to feed himself. Okay? So I can't demand his labor and not feed him. I can, if I'm, but if I, but, but if I can, I can not feed him and then he can have his labor back to himself. At least for that day or for the period I'm not feeding him. Now that's why it says the slave doesn't benefit by being owned. Because if the slave, how could the slave benefit by being owned? Well, my master has to feed me. But if he only has to feed you if you work for him, right? So you don't gain anything by being owned so because I can just then. because I can just say well Gemara is going to get to that I can just say um, I'm not going to feed you and work for yourself well you know what that uh, that you could do even if you weren't owned right if you <laughs> but what do you gain by being owned right you either get fed by working or not fed by not working you know what that's exactly what you get by not being owned too right so therefore there is nothing to be gained and that's why you you know the Chachamim say there's no benefit in being a slave okay but it doesn't mean that I can get work out of you and not feed you. All right? What are we talking about? Go use your own labor to feed yourself. Like Michael says, So one minute, if that's true, we're comparing a slave to a wife. And we're saying a wife does have, an ob- uh, have a benefit of being married. But let's see. By wife, you can say the same thing. A man can say to his wife, like, you know, I'm not going to feed you and use your own labor to feed yourself. So what's the wife's benefit of being married? I mean, you could maybe identify other ones, but the ones that are mentioned in the Mishnah is that she gets fed. Okay? But that's not true, because he could also say, I'm not going to feed you. Feed yourself. Work for yourself. So the Mishnah says, no. Isha my love. So why is it, by a woman, why is it, why is it not considered a, uh, uh, benefit for her to be divorced, okay? So the mission says, No, because by the wife, we can imagine a case where she can't earn enough to feed herself, okay? And in that case, the husband is obligated to pay the difference, okay? He is entitled to say, work for yourself and feed yourself, 
but he has to make up any gap, okay? So the wife does have a benefit, of, a financial benefit of being married. If she cannot earn enough money to provide for herself, right, the husband has to make up the difference. And that is her financial benefit of being married. So the Gemara says, well, what about a slave in that case? So the Gemara says, what about a slave can't earn enough money to feed himself? Does the master have to feed him in that case? So the Gemara says the following. Um, so a slave who is not worth the bread of his stomach, he can't even earn, you know, he can't even work enough Right, so the fundamental reason people, men would marry w- women would not be because of their labor. Okay? So, because, so therefore, you can easily imagine a normal case of marriage where she cannot make a lot of money through, through, through her labor. Okay? But a slave who can't earn the fill of his stomach, um, so, lamare lamarte, lamaymitzbai, to his master and his mistress, what good is he? Who needs him? Now, that's very nice. Who needs him? But that doesn't mean you don't have a legal obligation. Okay? So, Mark might just be saying, well, you, you would have sold him or freed him by that because who wants a slave like that hanging around? But Rashi explains it to mean you actually do not have a legal obligation. Since the purpose of a slave is for the labor, there is not a legal obligation to feed a slave if he cannot earn, you know, if he cannot earn his own keep. Okay? So again, it's not super, you know, ethical. Like, you know, what happens if a slave gets sick? Right? Do you stop? I mean, imagine that, right? As soon as a slave gets sick, right? Okay, it's like, you know, oh, you're sick? Okay, now go ahead and feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, in theory, that's what you could do. Dafka when he needs the support, needs the support the most, but that's what it seems to be saying, that you do not have a legal, you do not have a legal obligation to make up the difference between, you know, to make sure you're, between what your slave can earn and his need to be fed. So therefore, there's a definite benefit of being married, a financial one, which is the husband has to make sure his wife is fed whether she can earn that amount of money or not, whereas there's not a benefit of being slave, because the master has no obligation to make up any difference if the slave cannot earn his own keep. Okay, so now the verse says like this. So we're still going to try to figure out whether a master has an obligation to feed a slave. Come and heal. Um, a slave killed somebody by, uh, by accident and now it's running away to the a city of refuge so the master can't get any labor out of him there I mean I don't know I guess he could contract him out but we're imagining he can't get any labor out of him anyway he has no obligation to feed his slave all the way there in the Arimishlat okay below owed but actually if he can get labor out of him over there in the Arimishlat Right, he can hire him out. He's entitled to keep what the slave earns. So basically, it's a mission that's saying you don't have to feed your slave. I mean, it gives an interesting scenario that he's in an Ari Miklot, okay? But you don't have to feed him, and you're entitled to his labor. So that sounds exactly to answer the question. So the Gemara says, You see, the master can say to the slave, "I say work for me, but I won't feed you." So that seems pretty clear. So this says, "No." No. Basically, if he says he doesn't have to feed him, it means that the slave is basically keeps his earnings to himself. Feeds himself with his own earnings. The says one minute, but it didn't say that. It said that the master is entitled to, 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 to his earnings. But it says, So why does it say that his earnings go to the master? You just got through saying that he's uh, not feeding him because he's feeding himself through his own earnings. So the Gemara says, no. What we mean is, is that any money he earns over 
the cost of his own food goes to the master. So a very strange Mishnah. Because the master doesn't have to feed him. doesn't mean he doesn't have to feed him. What it means is, the master can tell the slave, earn for yourself and feed yourself. Okay, that's what it means. And the master gets the slave's earnings, which means if the slave earns any money over the cost of the slave's own food, that goes to the master. Very funny way to say that. It sounds the exact opposite of that. Okay, anyway. The master obviously, any money earned over his own food goes to the master. I mean, we are talking about a slave. So the Gemara says, no. I might have thought, since as we just got through saying, the master does not have to pay the slave if the slave doesn't have, can't, can't feed himself. The master doesn't have to make up the difference. So so when the, when the slave does earn money to feed himself, maybe any extra money he gets to put away. Like as a type of a, you know, of a, of a, of a, of a, uh, of, of an insurance, right? So it's clear that the relationship to the master is that the master is saying, feed yourself, okay? Maybe the slave should be entitled on days that he earns more than his keep to put that away in a rainy day account to feed himself for the days that he gets sick or that he's not able to find labor. That's a pretty reasonable arrangement that I might have thought, okay? Kamash Mulan, that we don't say that, that it's basically like a day-by-day type of a thing and any, and basically the master can keep any money earned over his own cost of upkeep and uh, days that the slave can't earn his own up, upkeep tough luck on the slave okay so why do you give the scenario of Ari Miklat this would be true anytime I would have thought to say Vachai it says he will go to one of the Vachai he'll go to one of the cities and live maybe we have a heightened obligation to ensure that he is fed and supported okay maybe therefore the master has to feed him even if he can't earn his own keep Tamash Milan that he doesn't Okay. So ha one minute. So how many tiny save up at the end of that Bryce teaches? Um, if a woman goes to a city of refuge, a wife, the husband has to feed her. Okay? So you see, now when do we say it meant he didn't have to feed his slave? It meant that his slave could have to, would, would feed himself with his own earnings. Okay? But now we're contrasting it to a wife. That he has to feed her. So, so when does a husband have to feed his wife? It's when he did not tell her, you know, uh, earn your, uh, pay, earn, earn your keep. So the Amar if he did tell her earn your keep, why would he have to feed her? So since he has to feed her, it means that he didn't arrange that. So we saved the law, So in the end, by the wife, he didn't make any special arrangement and he has to feed her. In the beginning, where the slave, he doesn't have to see, it also means that there's no special arrangement. So the Amar, so No, 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 no. Like we've been saying all along, you said to the slave and you're going to say to the wife, Earn your own keep. So, what's the difference between the slave and the wife? The ishab the losafka, like we said before, it's when they're not earning their own keep. Okay. So the case is the slave and the wife are entitled to their own, their you know, their own labor. Okay. It says the slave you don't have to feed means you don't have to make up any difference between what the slave earned and what he needs for food. The wife you have to feed means that you do have to make up the difference. So like we're saying before, we're taking all of these cases which makes it sound like totally shot is you have no obligations for your slave and we're saying you do have an obligation to free your slave but it means no obligation it means no obligation to make up the difference if he can't earn his own keep whereas by the wife you have the obligation to make up the difference one minute okay um, so the one says like this the um, the Isha uh, 
So but if the husband says to his wife, "Go earn your own keep," he's allowed. It makes it clear that we're talking that he did not make a special arrangement. The issue of the special arrangement only comes up at the end of that. Um, uh, um, so the verse says, "No." Again, completely reading it out of shot. We're always talking that there was an arrangement. Okay? So the, the first part says you don't have to feed your slave means you don't have to make up the difference. You do have to feed your, feed your wife means you have to make up the difference. Then when it says, oh, but if you made an arrangement, it's okay. But we're always talking about there's an arrangement. So it says, no, no, no. What that means is if, if you made the arrangement and she's feeding herself, that, and, and she does make up, you know, is able to fully feed herself, you have no additional obligation. Of course, you don't have any additional obligation. The Gemara says, so the Gemara says, um, 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 if she's feeding herself, of course. No, the whole honor of the, of the daughter of the kings are in the house. So therefore, maybe you would actually not, your wife would not be, be obligated, even if in theory she could find enough work to pay for her upkeep, you might think that you, she's only doesn't, she doesn't have to go knock during, you know, knocking door to door and finding that amount of work. Maybe she's only obligated to take a small amount of work that people are going to bring it to the house. But to actually demand from her that she do- hustles in order to get enough work to pay for her upkeep, that maybe isn't fair. And maybe actually she just, you know, you, she, you have to pay for the difference. Even if in theory she could earn her upkeep, we can't demand that of her. We can't demand that she go out and hustle and do all of that work in order to keep her upkeep. So the Gemara says, Kamash Milan, that we actually do demand it. Okay, so basically what you have is the following. The Mishnah said, right, or I forget if it's Mishnah or Brita, okay? The Mishnah basically said, in the case of the Are Miklat, right, that was the case, the Mishnah basically said, slave, don't feed okay wife feed and then it says but in the case of wife but if you have an arrangement right if you made an arrangement don't feed okay now this sounds very clear like you don't have an obligation to feed your slave right I mean come on okay so nevertheless hold on Right. Nevertheless, the Gemara is very committed to the idea that you do that you do have an obligation to feed your slave. So what the Gemara is saying is, don't feed means you don't have to. Don't feed means you don't have to. Right. You don't have to make up the difference. Don't have to. Have to make up difference. By the wife, you have to make up the difference. Okay, have to make up difference now what does it mean if you have an arrangement you don't have to feed you always had an arrangement here okay your, the arrangement was you know feed yourself so what it means if you, if you have an arrangement you don't have to feed means but if she's able to earn you know the full amount then 
then no obligation. Then you have no obligation, and we don't say, "Oh no, that's not fair." Even if she's able to earn the full amount, we're not going to force her to go out and to you know and to uh, you know you know that's not right for her. She's you know that's called Hudabak Malknima. No, if she's able to earn the full amount, she's got to hustle and go out and earn the full amount, and you don't have an obligation. So we completely reread this text, which clearly is saying that you don't have an obligation to be your slave to say that you do, and we're talking about special cases when you've made a special arrangement. Yeah. So he can't say is feed yourself and feed me too, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he can. Once the slave has earned enough, wife. oh, his wife. Um, that's um, if he says see my and then I will, but then I will keep. Um, he might. I think it depends on whether we say that the takana was sort of for value. Uh, I have to get back to you on that. I think that it depends. I mean, we posit in the end that Mazonos Takasmasi Adayim was for her benefit. So then the answer is that he's not allowed. But if it was for his benefit, um, then he might be allowed to say, feed yourself, feed yourself, and then any excess, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll keep, yeah. Uh, Wait, I'm sorry, so you're saying it depends, or you're saying that you I think it depends, uh, I think it depends on how we say that the was made. But this one, I think, Sam seems to be saying like it was made for his benefit. So if it's made for his benefit, then I think he would be able to say, the first amount you earn your keep, I mean, anyway, he's going to have to make up the difference anyway, right? And then beyond that, you know, the money goes to me. Yeah. It's clear from the immediate preceding voice, uh, verse, that Kokadavuda Batmalpanina is referring to a non-Jewish woman. Oh, really? Okay, it's interesting. I didn't even look at that. Okay, so let's take a look. Lamech um, and Tanayim. Let's say this question is, is time of debate of Tanayim. Do we have a human gemilolome? Yochel evadlomah the rabbo. A slave can say to his master during periods of famine where it is hard enough to earn money to, 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 to feed yourself because, you know, there's not enough food to go around. So in those times of famine, so he can say to him, Look, either feed me or free me. You cannot keep me here without providing enough food for me. I know it's hard for you. Everybody's having a hard time. It's a famine. But then free me. Okay, he's allowed to say that to him. Okay. Um, the sages say, No, the, the master is entitled to say I'm sorry I can't feed you but I'm not going to free you either so what's going on here my love let's say this is a debate one says you can say to like the Chachamim were saying I'm not going to free you are saying I'm not going to feed you and you're going to stay on and you're going to work for me Umar that Reb Shimon says no you're not able to keep him on if you're not feeding him so that seems like it's exactly that debate alright I don't know but anyway the says does that make sense that's what's debating. So, hi, Then, what does it mean? What does ultimatum feed me or free me? It should be Then it should be feed me or let me not work, let me, you know let me keep my own labor. Meaning, what's the ultimatum of free me? Free me is a permanent thing, right? If it was just about the question of can I demand your work without paying, without feeding you, then the, then what the slave should be saying is, listen, buddy, if you can't feed me, you can't make me work today. That's what he should have said. Okay, but that's not, so, so that's not what's going on in this Mishnah. Be violated, should have said, but owed, why do you have to give a time of a famine? I mean, I know that that's a nice practical example, but that doesn't have any legal significance to this discussion. What's the discussion? We're back to that. You made an arrangement. That's the only way you're going to be, you're, you're going to be entitled to not feed your slave if you made an arrangement that he can basically work for himself. Okay. But the problem is that arrangement was all nice and good 
um, during the normal rest of the year. But during the, but during the, what do you call it, during time of a famine, right, before we said if the slave can't earn his own keep, you're not entitled to make up the difference, what good of a slave is he? But here the slave can earn his own keep, except that the famine and nobody can buy food now, okay? So now you have an arrangement, he's entitled to, to feed himself, okay, he's earning his own keep, okay, but in the time of a famine, he can't earn his own keep, and he needs you to make up the difference. But Zingram Leo Safar, Zingram Leo says, Oh, Parnasani, oh, Anitani Lucheus. Look, right now, God, right now, I'm starving to death. And, there's, and I normally can earn my own keep, but I can't now. It's not my fault. So either make up the difference or free, or, or free me. Why? What's free me going to do? So it says, Because if you free me, and I'm a free person, and I'm starving to death, people will take me in, and they'll feed me, and so on. So basically, like, my life and well-being is at stake. You can't say, I'm not, I'm not a good slave. I don't earn my own keep. I normally do. Right now, though, like, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. So you got to help me out. Out, or you got to free me so other people will help me out. For Rabbanon Savi and the rabbis hold, and be nice if that were true. No, I, you cannot tell me by freeing you that's going to, I mean, look, because what the slave is saying is, I get that you have no legal obligation to me, okay, to make up the difference, but I'm starving to death, so help me out here, at least free me. And the Rechachamim's answer back is, no, that's not going to help you. Anybody who would free a starving, free person would free a starving would feed a starving slave and since I don't have a legal obligation to free you and since I can say that by freeing you up to feed you and since I can say that by freeing you your well-being is not going to be improved you know you're not going to be fed any better I'm not I, I, I'm not forced to feed you to free you either free your feed okay Tashma anyway that was a nice way of describing that of explaining that debate the Amar Rav Rav says Hamakti Shidei Avdo Oso Eved Lova Ve'ocha Ve'oso Porea this is a little complicated so Basically, somebody says, I am sanctifying the labor of my slave's hands. Okay, which means anything he works automatically goes to Hectish. Now, okay, let it go to Hectish and let me continue to feed him. The thing is, is that I don't want to feed him anymore because I'm not getting to keep his labor. So he's not... Now you can say, okay, if I'm not feeding him, what's he going to do? He's going to earn for himself and feed himself. The problem is that what he earns for himself goes to Hectish. So what, I'm not feeding him, and he can't earn for himself. What's he going to do? So what the Mishnah says he does, or the writer says he does, is he borrows money, so that money is in Hectish. He uses that money to buy food. He feeds himself with that money. Now he owes the slave, owes somebody some money. As he's earning now, the, as he's now working, that labor goes to pay off the loan. Now, the question is, how does the labor go to pay off the loan? Doesn't it become Hectish first? Okay? So the, you could have maybe speculated that maybe since somebody essentially has a lien on his labor, it goes to that person who has the lien before Hectish gets their hands on it. But it doesn't usually work that way. Usually Hectish interferes with liens and Hectish will take place. So the Gemara understand is going to explain, it's not clear from this in the Brighton, but the Gemara is going to explain what happens is, is that he basically works like every half of a pruta first gets used to pay off a loan. It's sort of like, which is a similar way of saying it, but it's not saying that in principle the, 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 the lien takes precedence. What it's actually saying is, is that it's sort of like um, what they're called a direct deposit or automatic transfer. Before the, enough mo- money has been earned that Hectish's rights kick in, Hectish's rights kick in only at the pruta. But at every quarter of a pruta or half of a pruta, it automatically gets transferred to the, to the credit. So Hectish never gets their hands on it. Okay, that's the way the Gemara is going to explain it. Anyway, but what you see is, so that's the scenario. So let's take a look. Okay, Lola the Oakley borrows and eats the Osa 
Poreh and then he earns money and he pays back. So how did this arrangement happen? This arrangement happened because the master basically, you know, is not feeding the slave. So you see he's able to say, work for me and I don't feed you. So the Gemara says, no. Because also, if by the master saying, I'm not feeding the slave, think about it for a minute. If by the master saying to the slave, I'm not feeding you, what would the halacha be? If he says, I'm not feeding you, if the halacha would be that the slave is entitled to his own labor, then... How could the master be sanctifying the labor? Right? You get the scenario? The scenario is that the slave isn't being fed. That's clear. That's the problem of this brighta. But it's also that the master has sanctified the slave's work. But one minute, that means that the slave could be not being fed and entitled to the slave's work. Okay? But we were trying to say that no, that that's not possible. So you see it is. He, he could not feed the slave and still remain entitled to the slave's work. So the Gemara says no. He is feeding the slave. And that's why he's entitled to the work and that's why he can sanctify the labor. One minute. If he's feeding the slave, what's the problem? What, what has to be solved here? Ihachi says Gemara, Namai. Um, why is he bothering borrowing in order to eat since already since uh, he's eating anyway so it says no 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 because although the master is providing bare minimum amount of food for the slave the slave wants to eat more to be healthier so basically the master is entitled to the work because he's provi- feeding the slave the bare minimum he's sanctifying it okay but the slave is basically saying look buddy you're giving me technically just enough food to entitle you to my labor but I'm really not getting the food that I need so what am I going to do so in order to or that I want so for that he has to do this whole special arrangement okay but that's why the master is entitled to the labor so the Gemara says v'lei malei hektesh so why doesn't Hektish say to him, Why does Hektish to some degree agree to this arrangement? It's a question why Hektish has to agree. But why doesn't Hektish say, We're not going to let you do this trick in order to, pay off, to borrow money and pay off creditors. Do with what your master paid, feed, fed you. He's feeding you the bare minimum. You're not allowed to do any trick. All of your labor goes to us. So the Gemara says no. Hektish is happy with this trick that he's earning a little extra he's borrowing money and paying it back and get, making sure that he's getting extra food why is that in Hektish's interest? so that he should be healthy and earn a lot earn more money so Hektish is okay you know rather than having some oatmeal he gets some nice you know you know grits and bacon and whatever you know good healthy you know breakfast in the morning and then so he borrowed an extra 10 bucks for breakfast okay and and he'll pay that back and I was able to put in another hundred dollars worth of labor so Hektish is happy with this trick okay fine so the Gemara says like this um, oh, now the Gemara is going to try to figure this out oh Supreme fine so we got it all working out the master is entitled to the labor because he's giving him oatmeal alright but we do a whole trick in order to allow him to eat a little bit more now how does this trick work that after he borrowed money he can be paying back his creditors isn't what he's earning Hektish so the Gemara says oh he earns and he pays back Every bit that he earns becomes sanctified. So it No, every amount that's less than a pruta, it gets transferred to the creditors. You know, again, I don't know, does he have to actually get paid in half prutas? Or is it just conceptually we say that they get possession of it? But anyway, every amount less than a pruta goes to the creditors before it becomes sanctified. Okay. Now it makes sense that this answer that we gave, that you were feeding your slave oatmeal, makes sense. 
Why? And that that's why you're entitled to the labor. But generally, you're not entitled to the labor if you're not feeding him. Because Rav says, If somebody sanctifies the labor of his slave's hands, The slave is entitled to eat. Okay? Meaning now that you have sanctified his labor, he's entitled to eat. Why? Meaning that you, um, the E, meaning, or which actually means that, um, that you are not able, well, if you're not feeding him, basically what the Rav is saying is, if you're not feeding him, you're not entitled to his labor. Okay? The E, lo avda, because if he's not now going to work for himself, okay, man who's going to uh, gain his work? It's a very vague statement. Basically what Rav means is, is that, is that if you are, like he is entitled to feed, uh, this slave is entitled to feed himself, and you're not entitled to sanctify his labor unless you are feeding him. Here, the Gemara will... usually bow down, isn't it? Yeah, but it means to work. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this. Yeah, it's like, it's like to ovate a vodazara. Okay, to be ovate. So, okay, so the Gemara says to worship or to work, right? So, okay, so the Gemara says like this. Right here, it's going to spell it out in the next sentence. The first case was that you fed him. And you're not entitled to say to the slave, you can't say to the slave, work for me and I won't feed you. Okay, so you fed him. And that's why you were entitled to his labor. And that's why you were entitled to sanctify the work. Fine. So, and when Rav said basically that you're not entitled to sanctify your slave's work, is you didn't feed him. So then, Shapir, that works. So basically, we all agree that if you feed him, you're entitled. And if you don't feed him, you're not. So the first thing said, you sanctified your slave's labor. That was when you were feeding him. When Rav said, if you sanctified your slave's labor, it isn't sanctified. He's allowed to work and feed himself. That's because you are refusing to feed him. Okay? So that makes sense. In one case, you fed him. You were entitled to the labor and you sanctified it. When Rav says, if you sanctify the, the slave's labor, Hektish doesn't get it and he works for himself, that's because you're not feeding him and you're not entitled to the labor. That all works. Okay? Okay? But if you say that when Rav is saying that even if you don't feed him, you can say, you know, you can not feed him and still be entitled to the labor. So if that's true, if you can, okay, so, uh, where am I? Uh, that in Rav's case you're not feeding him and even if you're not feeding him you can tell him you still have to work for me so then why can he work and feed himself you're not feeding him you're still entitled to his labor and you can still be makdishet so if he's not going to work for himself who's going to who's going to enslave him and take his labor what do you mean whoever wants to can take his labor who cares if you're not feeding him you're still entitled to the labor. Meaning, Rav's question made it clear that Rav felt that if you're not feeding him, buddy, you can't keep his labor. And if you're Maktish's labor to Hektish and he's not being fed, then you weren't able to be Maktish that labor. He's entitled to keep it for himself. So that makes it very clear that if you're not feeding him, right, you are not entitled to his labor. That's Rav's whole point. So, you are not able to say, I'm not going to feed you and I'll keep your labor. Again, because again, what Rav said is, if you sanctify your slave's labor and you're not feeding him, he can work for himself. Why is that true? 
Why aren't you able to say, I'm not going to feed you, I'll keep your labor? Clearly, Rav is saying, you can't say that. Mm-hmm. If you're not feeding him, you're not entitled to work him. So the Gemara says, Shmamina. So you see it's clear that Rav's position is, is that you are entitled. You are, that Rav's position is that you, are, if, you have to feed him. And if you're not feeding him, you're not entitled to his labor. Okay, and now the Gemara is going to say, even though Rav says that, I know it's almost 8.30, but I just want to read one more, the, the Rabbi Yochanan position. Even though Rav says that you're entitled to not feed him, you're, you're obligated to feed him? Rabbi Yochanan disagrees. Tashma. The Amr Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, um, Somebody severs, you know, Reuven severs Shimon's slave's hand. So, so he has to pay Shimon. He destroys Shimon's property. Not only does he pay Shimon for the cost, the injury to the slave, but also, he also pays Shimon the time that, that the slave's in the hospital and he's not working while he's in the hospital. Because even though by paying him for the cost of the hand, he essentially paid him for all of the field, all of the labor he's not going to get for the next 20 years of working in the field, but even the, the, the two months he's in the hospital, he's not doing other type of work. He's not babysitting. There's other work he could do, right, when he, even with a hand being missing, that he's not doing while he's in the hospital. That's called Shevet. The amount of labor he's not doing just because he's in the hospital. Not because, not because he lost the hand, right. And that also goes to Shimon. Okay, and also the doctor bills go to Shimon. We'll see about doctor bills in a minute. The Ozo Evan, But, now who is feeding the slaves? Oh, that's coming from tzedakah funds. Okay, because the master isn't getting any work out of him. So it's coming from tzedakah funds. So the Gemara says, why is it coming from tzedakah funds? According to Rav, you should be obligated to feed your, to, to work your, you're getting paid for your slave's work. That's Shevet. Right? So, but, so if you're getting paid for your slave's work, you should be feeding him. But Rabbi Yochanan says, no, you should be getting paid for your slave's work, the Shevet, and not feeding him. Shmami that you see according to Rabbi Yochanan, Yochel Rav, Lomer Le'Eved, the master can say to the slave, work for me, I'm keeping your Shevet payment, and I'm not going to feed you. So no, 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 no. We're talking about that he is feeding him. So what do you mean? If he's feeding him, why is it saying that he's getting fed from tzedakah? So it says, What does it mean he's being fed from tzedakah? So again, we're going to try to say, No, no, no. You're feeding slave oatmeal in the hospital, and you're getting his shevet money, uh, but tzedakah pays for more food, okay, beyond the bare minimum. Verses one minute. Yihachi, nizon, no, nizon means bear, the bare sustenance food. Okay, it says nizon mina tzedakah. According to you, that tzedakah is paying for the better meal plan, so mitparnes me by a way. The word mitparnes means a level of sustenance beyond nizon. Nizon mina tzedakah means the bare minimum meal plan. So it's clear from Rabbi Yochanan's teaching that you are not paying even the bare minimum for his food, and nevertheless you're getting his shevet payments, his work payments. So, you see, according to Rabbi Yochanan, he argues on Rav, that you are able, one wonders if it's basically a Bavli Eretz Yisrael debate, I don't know enough about slaves in the Sassanian Empire, but anyway, but Rav is saying that you are not entitled to his labor if you're not feeding him, and Rabbi Yochanan says you are, I can have Tzedakah pay his bills, pay his hospital bills, and I'll still keep, or whatever, and I'll still keep, you know, his food bills, and I'll still keep the Shevet. And let's just read one more sentence here to wrap up this teaching. Amar Mar, 
Nosin shivtov ruatzolarabo. You give the shevet to the master, the money he's, the, and the refuah, the money he's not earning because he's in the hospital. Shivtov pshita, obviously, the master gets the shevet, that's his labor. Refuah it's your way. No, 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 you, give, you pay the doctor bills to the master. So the master says, why are you paying the doctor bills to the master? If someone who, if Ruben cut off the hand, he should be paying the doctor bills to the hospital. So the Gemara says, one minute the, 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 doc, the money for the doctor bills goes to the slave he has to get healed with it meaning he goes to the slave so he can pay the doctors why is it going to the master so the Gemara say no basically they said it's going to take you five days to recuperate okay so here's the money for five days of a hospital stay or for five, day, five days of doctor's treatment but but they did some very vigorous type of a of, of, of a medicine and he was managed to be healed in three days okay but it came at what cost it came at the cost of a little suffering to the slave himself it was hard on the slave but it saved him two days of hospital bills okay so who gets to pocket those extra two days because when he, the injury was occurred we, 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 we assessed a five day payment of hospital bills Did that Ruben no apparently so apparently not that's a whole sugi but apparently not so we assessed for five day payment on Ruben the slave agreed to do something harsher and he saved himself two days in the hospital so who so the hospital only got three up three days of those payments who pockets the difference so Maudetema I might think Tzara Didehu that the slave suffered and therefore the slave pockets it Kamash Milan that no the master's entitled to everything the same way the master's entitled to the sweat and the hard work of the slave in general if the slave earned money by suffering with this harder form of treatment the master gets to pocket it okay so anyway we have now ended the discussion of whether you can say to your slave work for me and I won't feed you that Rama says you, can't, you cannot say that you have to feed him or he's able to work for himself and the Bielhanan says you have no legal obligation to feed your slave okay we have that debate and now we're got, either way it's not in the slave's interest to be owned because even if you can you're not entitled to work him without feeding him you can have him just feed himself and you don't have to pay the difference so either way is the Chachamim's position that he's not better off being owned and we're going to continue tomorrow to see Rabbi Mayer's position of saying it's still not an absolute benefit for him to be free so we'll continue with that debate but at least we've wrapped up this issue about a Thaymi Veni Zancha alright good <laughs>